Pastor Xavier Reese and Confronting in Love. James 5, 19-20 says, Brethren, if anyone among you wandered from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. As the proverb says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kids of the enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. If you have a true friend, they're going to call you out. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Jesus said, Judge not, that you be not judged. Yet in Proverbs we read, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. And then there's the instructions of Matthew 18 for confronting a brother who has sinned against you. Well, coming up, Pastor Xavier makes sense of how we are to confront sin in love with today's Simple Truth Study continuing our series in the book of Jeremiah with a message titled, Tried by Fire. Let's listen. Polycarp, the bishop of Smyrna, was a personal friend and pupil of John, the apostle. At age 86, he was urged by a Roman proconsul to reproach Christ and he would be set free. He declared, 86 years... Have I served him, and he never did me any injury? How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? The proconsul said, I have respect for your age. Simply say, away with the atheists and be set free. Polycarp solemnly said, away with the atheist, pointing to the crowd of pagans. He joyfully went to the stake, thanking God for counting him worthy of being one of the many numbers suffering for his sake as a martyr. That kind of a scene is not unusual today. It is in America, but in China, in Croatia, Korea, especially North Korea, many other parts of the world. There are countless of men and women who have given their life to Christ, missionaries down in South America and Mexico. It goes on today. This is the fate of men and women of faith in the kingdom of God. They have no denomination. They have followed no man. They follow Jesus Christ. And that sets them distinctly apart from everyone else. Jeremiah was called by God to preach in the court of the temple here in chapter 26, which led to his arrest, his trial, and is laid out for us in three movements. It's one of the fullest trials that we have on record in the Bible, and it's an interesting one. Let me read it, and bear with me, it's lengthy, but to get the overall picture, it's necessary. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, stand in the court of the the Lord's house, and speak to all the cities of Judah, which come to worship the Lord's house, all the words that I command you. To speak to them. Do not diminish a word. Perhaps everyone will listen and turn from his evil way. That I may relent concerning the calamity which I propose to bring upon them because of the evil of their doing. And you shall say to them, Thus saith the Lord, if you will not listen to me, to walk in the ways uh, in my law which I have said before you, take heed the words of my servant the prophet, whom I sent to you, both rising early and sending them. 
but you have not listened. Then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make the city a curse to all the nations of the earth. So the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it happened when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people seized them, saying, You will surely die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, The house shall be like Shiloh, and the city shall be desolate without inhabitants? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. And when the princes of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. And the priests and the prophets spoke to the princes, all the people, saying, This man deserves to die, for he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your ears. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the princes and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against the city, with all the words that you have heard. Now, therefore, amend your ways and your doings, and obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom that he has pronounced against you. As for me, here I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and proper to you. But know for certain that if you put me to death, you will surely bring innocent blood on yourselves, on this city, and on its inhabitants. For truly the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. And so the princes and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man does not deserve to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Then certain of the elders of the land rose up, and they spoke to all the assembly of the people, saying, Micah the Moorish I prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins and the mountain of the Lord of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all of Judah ever put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and seek the Lord's favor? And the Lord relented concerning the doom which he had pronounced against them, but we are doing great evil against ourselves. Now, there was also a man who prophesied in the name of the Lord, Urijah the son of uh, Shemaiah the of Kirath-Jerim, who prophesied against the city and against the land, according to the, all the words of Jeremiah. And when Jehoiakim, the king, with all his mighty men and the princes, heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Urijah heard it, he was afraid, and he fled, and he went to Egypt. Then Jehoiakim, the king, sent men of Egypt, Elnathan, and the son of Achbor, and the other men who uh, went with him to Egypt, and they brought Rijah from Egypt, and they brought him to Jehoiakim the king, and he killed him with the sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. Nevertheless, the hand of Ahiakim, the son of Shaphan, was with, Jer with Jeremiah, so that they should not give him into the hands of the people to put him to death. Interesting trial. As Jeremiah is arrested, as he's led before this assembly to be tried and He's on the spot. And it's given to us in three great movements, and they flow one from the other. And it really gives us insight, not so much into the greatness of a man, but the faithfulness of God. Tried by fire. You will be tried by fire. I will be tried by fire as I walk through this life on different levels and different circumstances. But God will use all that to refine me. 
and to tune my ear to him and to let me see what's in my own heart regarding my commitment to God. It's always a personal test between God and myself. And he's the one that lays it out. Here's the three movements. The prophet's proclamation in verse 1 through 6. Secondly, the people's irritation, verse 7 through 15. And then third, the prince's intervention in verse 16 through 24. Notice the prophet's proclamation, the first six verses. First of all, verse 1 through 3, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The often repeated phrase, it's God's word. The command here and the commission came in the beginning notice of the year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah at the time in verse 1 it tells us. The word of the Lord came to him. Josiah had just died in 609 B.C. at the hand of Pharaoh Necho, the king of Egypt. He had succeeded Sunamicus and he went to relieve the hard-pressed hand of Assyria at Megiddo. And Josiah didn't pay attention, and the, the, the Pharaoh said, listen, my battle's not with you, get out of the way. He said, no, 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 let's fight. So he got killed. This had just happened. Jehoiahaz, Josiah's son, came to the throne, but Pharaoh deposed him after three months of reign and took him to Egypt. And he put Jehoiakim on the throne, his brother. This is the king here in verse 1. Now, notice in verse 2, the commission was to preach... In the court of the temple. So the prophet was to stand in the court of the Lord's house and to speak to all the cities of Judah that were coming to worship in the Lord's house. Most likely this was one of the great feasts. According to Deuteronomy 16.16, every male child over the age of 20 years of age had to present himself three times a year. You had Passover, usually it's the Feast of Leaven because they're hooked together. Then Pentecost and then Tabernacles. We don't know which one it is. You'll find different people say different things. Whatever. Pick one. It's a time when the city would swell up with people. It's a time when everybody comes and God says, I want you to preach. So they all hear. The prophet, notice, was not to diminish. Not one word of the message. He was not to hold back. He was not to restrain one word but to give it all. Now, when we read passages like this, we just read it, no big deal. But we don't put ourselves in the predicament. I don't know where you come from. I don't know if you grew up in the streets and stuff like that, but if you've ever been around crowds where mob mentality and parties that get out of hand and stuff like that, that can be intimidating sometimes, different situations. Okay? And what you can assess you would do is a whole different thing than when you're in the situation. I mean, God has called him to go in the midst where everybody's coming in, in the court, and to proclaim God's word. Now, these people are not obedient. These people are rebellious. These people are, are, are God-haters to an extent. But remember, he's called them in chapter 1 and told them already. So it's nothing new. Now, the purpose is given to us in verse 3. The purpose of the mission was in hopes of turning the people from their sin in order to avert judgment. Always mark that. God desires not to judge. God desires to turn people. We can't ever blame God. People always want to blame God. Listen, when you and I get what we deserve, it's because we've shunned God. We've shined Him on. We've kept not listening to Him. Because He loves to pardon. He loves to intervene on behalf of man. He says that I may relent concerning the calamity which I purpose to bring upon them because of the evil of their doing. 
we are told by Isaiah that judgment is a very strange and unusual way for God to deal with man, Isaiah 28, 21. He doesn't like it. His way and his practice is to deal with love, pardon, to walk with man. Now, notice secondly in verse 4 through 6. The message of Jeremiah in the court of the temple is given to us. And in verse 4 and 5, the message was one of warning against disobedience. Jeremiah was to preface the message by, thus saith the Lord, indicating that the message was from heaven. Listen to me. Law and order comes from heaven, not from man. The Bible is very clear that even the authority that exists today, God has placed it. Go back to Genesis, God made the first government. Even after the flood, chapter 9, the first government. Okay? Law and order comes from heaven, not from man. Man is the one that breaks it. Jeremiah was to declare the warning regarding their present as well as their past. Regarding their present, in verse 4, he was to say, If you will not listen to me, to walk in my laws, which I have said before you. So God had been ministering over and over again. Uh, Jeremiah, in fact, in this chapter, and, and the previous one, he, gets, he comes, I've been preaching for 23 years. This man is committed. Sold out to God. But not only the present, but he could look to the past regarding the past. He was to say, to heed the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I sent to you, both rising up early and sending them. But you did not pay heed, or you didn't heed them. So, their track record. God is saying, look where you've been. Look where you are. You're in the same stinking place. And there are people who come to church Sunday after Sunday and they hear the same thing. And you know what? They're in the same place they were two years ago, ten years ago. But they feel good hearing the word of God. But it doesn't do you any good. The message was based on their walking in the law. His law, my law. As you know, the law was given at Mount Sinai. Again, it came from heaven. Two tablets. The first dealt with man's relationship to God and the second man's relationship with man. Before you and I can be in the right relationship, we have to be right with God. The problem with society is we're always trying to make laws between man and man and we're not right with God. And so consequently, everything's out of kilter. Nothing's in sync. It was a binding covenant they had made with him in blood. They said, we will do all that you say. Amen. Everybody's so quick to say that. The message of warning was accompanied by a severe promise of judgment for the rebellion in verse 6. Then I will make this house like Shiloh. As you know, Shiloh was the first place that the tabernacle was set up as they came into the promised land. And there, God allowed it to be devastated. In 1 Samuel 4, the Philistines were fighting against Israel. Eli was a priest. He had two Sons of the devil, Hophni and Phinehas, they were laying with the women in the temple, ripping off the offerings. Eli did not restrain his children. So God says, I'm going to kill you and your children. And he allowed Shiloh to be desolate. They were aware of this. This is their history. Now they think they're secure in the temple. Often I ask people, are you a Christian? Oh yeah, I go to Costa Mesa. Oh yeah, I go to Royal Research Church. Well, I'll pray for you. And we think if we drop names, well, that makes me, how about dropping God's name? Yeah, I know God, that's why I'm Christian. 
Yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. That should be enough. I will make the city a curse to all the nations of the earth. The city was bore his name. The city was looked up to. But it wouldn't be. Man, heavy, heavy confrontation. How difficult do you think it was for Nathan the prophet to go to confront David? God says, Nathan, got a mission for you. All right, Lord, what do you want to do? Go tell David. This is what he did. He committed adultery. He killed his wife. It's been a year. Do you think Nathan had it easy going? As he told his parable to David, and he pointed his prophetic bony finger and says, David, you are the man. Nathan knew that he could have been killed. But he went. How difficult was it for Paul to confront Peter at Antioch when he was eating with the Gentile and then the Jews came over and he tiptoed over the kosher table. So much that he stumbled Barnabas. Paul got in his face. Says, you hypocrite. You think it was easy? One of the most difficult things in the Christian life is to confront people regarding their sin. And yet, you and I are commanded as much as Jeremiah is commanded here to go before the people. We are commanded to judge sin in the church and in the life of believers. But it begins with me. I'm first to judge my own life. Now, you've heard it many times. The world says, oh, judge not lest you be judged. So, I mean, the world knows that verse, but it's out of context. Okay, so let me show you what the Bible says. Matthew 18 applies to everybody. You, me, everybody. Matthew 18, 15 through 16, as you know, if a brother sins against you, Go and tell him your fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. If he doesn't hear you, take another one. Take two by three witnesses. It's established. If that doesn't work, then you go to the church, the elders, okay? But there's a process to do it. And God has made it in such a way so that the body is protected and you're protected. The responsibility falls on the one who's innocent to confront. Did you ever pick that up? Not the guilty party. The innocent party. James 5, 19 through 20 says, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. He's speaking to Christians. Brethren, if any of you wander from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So I confront you. You recognize it. You repent. I bury it. I don't spread it. I don't talk, talk to anybody about it. It's done. As the proverb says, open rebuke is better than secret love or carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. If you have a true friend, they're going to call you out. If people are afraid to confront you, they're not your friends. They're your enemies. It's just real simple. Which father doesn't confront his daughter or son when they're out of line? Now, hopefully we do it out of love. <laughs> because we can do it out of hate. But we do it out of love. Now, there's a warning before we judge others. But it is a command not to judge in terms of being critical. Often the people say, well, you shouldn't judge. So before we judge... There's a warning 
and we should look to ourselves first. Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, and this is where they take it out of context. In the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 1 on down to 5, in the first two verses, Jesus speaking there, he says, Judge not, lest you be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you again. Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't judge. Jesus is saying that you as a person and I as a person should not judge critically everything. We find fault in everything and we're criticizing and even intending to judge the motive of the heart. That's what he's talking about. Because if that's the type of person you are, then people are going to judge you the same way. Because you set the standard. As he moves on in verse 3 and 4, he says, And why do you look uh, at the speck in your brother's eye, the sliver? But do you not see the plank or the four by four in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that little speck or sliver in your eye while you have this big railroad tide in your eye? <laughs> now, do you understand how the context of, of judge not lest you be judged, if you put it in this context? He's not saying that a person is perfect. He is saying you are to judge, but you're not to judge when you're in sin. You should first take care of your own life before you look to somebody to help somebody else. That's the context. That's what he's saying. So I need to look to myself, make sure I'm living it out. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. But if I see you're in sin, then because I love you, I confront you. But if you're out there sleeping with your girlfriend, and then you're going to get on a person because they go discoing, well, you're all messed up. Verse 5, he nails it. He finishes by declaring such a person as an actor. They are not sincere or honest before God or man in their motives or their actions. Listen, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So take care of your life first. And if you're walking with God, then you are commanded to confront your brother and sister when they're in sin. You understand? Now make sure that you understand you're not the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, the manner in which we are to do so is very, very clear. Listen well. Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, concerning yourself, lest you also be tempted. If you're spiritual, the evidence is you'll confront in love and gentleness. You're not going to go up and say, You idiot, I can't believe you. You're going to go up and you're going to go with meekness and with a broken heart. But you're going to go with truth. And if there's response to it, it's buried. Because you want to be confronted the very same way. And that's the way you need to look at it. How would I want to be confronted if I was in this sin? If I was in this situation? Motivated by God's love. In fact, Peter, 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all these things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover, listen, a multitude of sins. And so this was the prophet's proclamation. Not an easy one, was it? He said, thank God I wasn't Jeremiah. But you are. You and I are called to the very same thing in the body of Jesus Christ. Your white blood corpuscles, they're in there. You get a little infection, they don't say, Oh, I don't want to confront that disease. Oh, let's just let it go. Maybe it'll go away by itself. No, all those guys get together and they attack it. They beat it up. They don't worry about it. Kick it out of the body. So you got a healthy body. If we exercise these things, we have a healthy body. If we don't, we start decaying. Very important. Pastor Xavier Reese, spending some extra time carefully interpreting Scripture for us on the need and proper manner in which believers are to confront sin in one another. 
And let me quickly remind you, if you've missed any part of this message, you can hear it from beginning to end again, anytime online. Just look for today's date when you click on the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Now, there's much more to this study to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is simply, Tried by Fire. It's available on CD for only $4. Now, once again, for the study titled, Tried by Fire, send your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates the simple truth, though God doesn't promise a smooth journey in our walk of faith, His hand of protection is always over us nonetheless. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com